the CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... to quote to you before, had sayings for almost everything. And almost always, Grandma was 100% on the button right. One of her favorite maxims was, do unto others as if you were the others. Prejudice and its wicked power is what she was talking about. And the story which Conan Doyle tells us now illustrates how far misjudgment can take you even as far as murder. Pop, are you going to let that fellow marry Susan? Eduardo? Yes, I think I am. You, you mean you don't mind? But he's a foreigner. Well, I can't say I do. Some of us in town think pretty highly of him. Uh, I think you've all gone crazy, and I don't aim to stand for it. Now, we here in Winter Harbor have a tradition to uphold, and marrying an outsider could mean lots of trouble. drama, Dr. Eduardo, adapted from a story by A. Conan Doyle, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Gerald Keene and stars Norman Rose. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. One has to remember when America was first settled, there were no roads or telephone or telegraph to link one town with another. So the settlers had to go it alone. The years passed. Life became more standardized, more the same. But those folk who were there first, the town founders and their sons and daughters, always felt very special. And outsiders had better stay out. Hey, Pop! Hey, Pop, there's a letter for you. How many times do I have to tell you that when I'm here at work in my office, it is not, hey, Pop, it's Mr. Mayor. And not, hey, Mr. Mayor, either. Do you understand that, Matthew? Uh, gee, I, I forgot, Pop. I mean, but you're Pop at home. Mom calls you Pop. Sue calls you Pop. Dad. It's hard for me to remember that when you're in the mayor's office, you're not my Pop, you're Mr. Mayor. Here's, here's, a, here's a letter for you. Thank you. Put it on my desk. Well, gee, Pop, ain't you going to open it? But this is the first letter we got in Winter Harbor since the spring thaw. Matthew, haven't you anything better to do than stand around jawing? It's quarter to nine, and you've got a great many windows to wash in our public buildings, so get to it. Oh, Pop, uh, Mr. Mayor, haven't you got a better job for me than to than wash windows? As long as you're on the public payroll, I expect you to do an honest day's work. Oh, I almost forgot. Hold on, Matthew. Uh, we put in new locks in the library and the courthouse. You keep these keys so you can get in early in the morning to do your work. All right, now beat it. Where's your sister, Sue? It's almost nine. Oh, Miss Goody Two-Shoes will be here on time. She always is. Now, don't speak disparagingly of your sister. She gives the taxpayers their money's worth. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Beautiful morning, isn't it? <laughs> you see, Matthew? She doesn't call me Pop. She says, good morning, Mr. Mayor. Ah, yes, it is good morning, Susan. 
Uh, we had a letter this morning. You may begin by dealing with that. Matthew, don't stand there one foot in the cranberry bog. And don't use too much soap cleaning windows. This town's not made of money, you know. Uh, yes, Mr. Mayor. Uh, what's in that letter addressed to me? Um, Mr. Mayor, we're getting ourselves a doctor. A real live doctor for Winter Harbor? That's what the gentleman says. He's decided to come to Winter Harbor to set up a practice. What's his name? Eduardo Columbus. Eduardo, that's Spanish for Edward. A Spanish doctor? Here in Winter Harbor? Think of all the Portuguese fishermen who live in town. You'll be perfect for them. A Portuguese, is that same Spanish? Oh, I'm pretty close. And they make up most of the folks who work here. What about the rest of us? We get sick, too. Uh, how do we know he speaks American? <laughs> he writes American. After all, his kinfolk came here before we did. They could have been on that boat with Christopher Columbus. peacefully in my rocking chair <laughs> on the front porch. <laughs> Dad, what do you think of Dr. Columbus? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see now. Uh, how long has he been in town? Six months. Well, I think most folks like him. Some don't. Why? Mm, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Don't tell me nothing, Susan. When it comes to a woman and a man, there's no such thing as nothing. Dad... Dad, there's a fire down the street. Huh? Whose house is it? I'm not sure. I wonder if... Here comes Matthew on the run. He probably knows. Matthew, whose house is on fire? What's that? Is your fire? Can you be so stupid? Don't you see it? <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I came the other way. You did not. I saw you back there crossing the street. Well, I better get myself over there. That crowd's getting bigger and there'll be sparks and danger. Someone's got to restore order. Have another cup of coffee. Well, I'm not going to sleep much tonight anyway. Here's coffee. Susan, more coffee. Dad, Mom's gone to bed. You're going to wake the whole house. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, bring the coffee pot from the stove, will you? Mm. The doctor could use another cup. Why do people do things like that? People do what? Here, let me fill your cup, Eduardo. Are you all right? Uh, excuse me. Uh, thank you, Susan. I'm sorry if I'm a little... You see, this has never happened to me before, to to see my house go up in smoke. Uh, there hasn't been a fire like that in Winter Harbor for a hundred years. There's no way it could get started. There is a way, Mayor Greeley. I wish I did not know it. Eduardo? You mean you saw something? Six months I have been here. I thought we could be friends. I love this town, but I see that feeling goes only one way. The town does not love me. What are you saying? Everybody likes you. Well, sure, in the beginning... You they're... do know something, don't you? About how the fire got started. One must be thankful. Only my clothes and books are gone. The medical equipment is safe in my office. Eduardo, there is something. Dad, it wasn't an accident. That's what he's saying. How do you know? I bring here your son's wallet. Take it, please. It is your son's, is it not? Matthew! Matthew, come down here. This is very sad for me. Why would he do it? Are you sure? Uh, maybe he dropped it another time. 
Your brother is not the only person in Winter Harbor who thinks I do not belong here. Uh, Chief Hop <coughs> has a slave. <clears throat> What's the problem? Here's your wallet, son. Uh, hey, thanks. Where'd you find it? Where did you find it, Doctor? By the back steps of my house. I picked it up after the fire. Oh, gosh, I, uh... Well, I must have I dropped it there when I went to watch. You told me you weren't anywhere near there. You didn't even know the house was burning. Also, the fire chief and I, we went inside and he found a can of gasoline all burned. And I... I picked up these... these keys. Do you know whose keys they are, Mr. Mayor? Dad, I'm sure Matthew didn't realize what he was doing. I am so sorry it happened. Eduardo, what are you going to do? Well, I should have to forget. You're not going to press charges? Oh, please. That is only for criminals. For the boy's sake, I hope it will be a lesson. Dad, Eduardo has no place to go. Could we put him up until he finds a new house? Would you stay with us, Doctor? Oh, that is very kind. After all this business with Matthew, I wasn't sure you'd want to be under the same roof. I should be delighted. I'm so glad. I'll go make up the extra room. Funny how the right words don't come when you want to say them. There you are, burned out of your home, no place to stay. And my boy and what he did. And all I can think of is, I wonder if my pajamas will fit him. Eduardo, you know what day it is today? Oh, let me see. No, Mr. Mayor, I do not think I do. It's exactly one year since you hung out your shingle on Main Street. That long, Mayor Greeley? Mm -hmm. I asked you personally to come to my office for two reasons. One, I want to thank you for everything you've done for Winter Harbor. We haven't lost a baby. No measles, no chicken pox. And that child care center is really a fine thing. Uh, just the same, though. You worry me. I do? You're probably the most eligible young man in town... Most of our boys have gone off to the big cities. But I never see you with a young lady. We have square dances, hold-downs, sleigh rides, social... It's only because a doctor does not have much time for those things. Well, anyway, I've said it. My wife asked me to ask you, and I've asked you. Well, I've said it. I guess the young ladies in town will just have to take care of themselves, huh? <laughs> Anyway, on Saturday, we're having a special birthday party for you. Just us menfolk at the Fisherman's Hall. But it is not my birthday. No, but it's the town's birthday. And we thought, good, we'll celebrate one year of having the best doctor in the state right in our own backyard. Well, I, I, do, I do not know what to say. Well, you be there at 7 o'clock. Eduardo, I'm going to make a little speech. You know, this town is over 200 years old. We don't take the strangers, but when we do, we do. And that brings me to the other reason I asked you to stop by here. Yes? Eduardo, I wanted to ask you, now that we uh, know each other a little better, uh, Eduardo, can I call you Eddie? It's more American. Hmm. Smell that 
realize how lucky you are to live here. The ocean. I love the ocean. Oh, Eduardo, I've lived here all my life, and I never came to this spot until you and I started picnicking here. It is a little dangerous for a young lady alone. A lighthouse behind us, the steep cliffs mm. to the sea. Where I was born in Spain, a little town like this, it is mm. called Vigo. In Spain, you have lighthouses too. Oh, yes. It has been my dream to live in one. What a coincidence. Mine too. That's the truth. You know, your winter harbor is much like Vigo. We have Portuguese fishermen there also. You miss Spain? Oh, no. America is my home now. You know, I think our town has finally accepted you. Susan, it is not the people in the town who have who have made me feel at home. It is you. Mm, you think anyone watches us taking walks, spending time together? Now, what does it matter? Your father has no idea. He... You know, he, he asked me why I did not take one of the local beauties on, on outings and dances. <laughs> I had to stop myself from saying, Mr. Mayor, I am in love with your daughter. <laughs> Susan. Susan, let us do it. Will you marry me? Oh, yes, Eduardo. Uh, are you going to let that, that Spaniard marry Susan? What? He proposed to her, and she accepted. I heard them. Dr. Columbus? Eddie? Where were you? Right behind them. Cleaning the windows of the Bear Point Lighthouse. Well, I'll be... I wondered who was going to grab him off. I never thought I'd Susan. You mean you don't mind? No. No, I can't say I do. Eddie's a good man. Well, I don't like it. And I don't aim to stand for it. Well, I'm afraid there's nothing you can do about it. I don't imagine they're going to ask for your permission, Matthew. It is not right. We here in Winter Harbor, we have a tradition to uphold. And marrying an outsider, it, it's wrong. It is a disgrace to our family. I'll give you some advice, Matthew. Don't stick your nose where it ain't wanted. First a fire, then a threat. Danger signals to watch for from the prophetic pen of Conan Doyle. How far will bias and blind spots push our tale into tragedy? People like the mayor's son are hard nuts to crack. For, as they say, there are none so blind as those who will not see. I shall return shortly with Act Two. up residence in a New England seacoast village. Most folks in town admire him for the good medicine he practices. Yet some, one in particular, do not. Of course, one can't like everyone. There's nothing sinful in disliking someone. But not for the wrong reasons. And so, fellow citizens of Winter Harbor, in recognition of our doctor's service to the community... I propose he be made an honorary citizen of our town. Now, may I have a show of hands? Ah, that looks pretty unanimous. Motion carried. Eddie? Eddie Columbus? Please stand up. I, uh... I thank you all for this honor. You know, um, uh, coming from another country, you, you have to take your medical examinations all over again. But I did it because I wanted it so bad. 
I also wanted to be an American so bad that I changed my name. My real name is Eduardo Colombo, which I changed to that good American name, Columbus. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I thank you. You have made me feel very welcome, and I would like to add a little um, announcement of my own. Uh, friends, uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, your daughter Susan and I are planning to get married. Hey, Pat, did you know the doctor got a letter with a foreign stamp on it today? Matthew, I couldn't care less. Matthew, you're getting to be a gossipy old maid. So why shouldn't Eddie get mail? Everybody else does. Pop, you don't seem to realize we don't know one darn thing about him. He shows up. Now, who knows who he really is, huh? Some people, my boy, show you what they are by what they do. Others are just a lot of wind. Yeah? Well, did you know he bought that old lighthouse on Bear Point? Of course I did. That's where they're going to live. Uh, remember that little incident of the fire, Matthew? We've hushed it up. Kept it inside the family. And Eddie marrying Susan will make sure it stays there. Now, don't make a pest of yourself. I'm asking you nicely. Stop this vendetta you've got against Eddie Columbus just because he wasn't born in Winter Harbor. Eduardo, is that you? Oh, it is. What did you tell your patient? Go home, I have to go to my lighthouse to see how my fiancé is throwing up our curtains. Oh, let me hug you. What is it, darling? You haven't said a word. Uh, Susan, I, I do not know what to say. Oh, you don't have to be so serious. You're acting positively tragic. You have done so much for me, so much. Well, not for you alone, silly. For us. The little study is finished. I unpacked all the medical books you ordered from Boston. And I put that big photograph of me right on your desk. Oh, Susan. <laughs> the bedroom's all finished. The curtains hung. The coverlet made. Oh, I haven't told you. Mr. Harvey's retiring from being dog catcher. His sister told me he's going to hate doing nothing, so I hired him to come take care of us. He can live up on top where the light used to be. He said he'd love it, and he'd make himself right handy. I just wish we weren't waiting till June to get married, don't you? Susan, uh, Susan, sit down. <laughs> you sound so ominous. Darling, you know I love you, don't you? And whatever I feel I have to do, nothing will change that. You understand? What happened? I, I do not think we should get married. Oh? Not now. Not right away. Not now. Uh, is there some reason why not? Yes. There is, I'm afraid. I see. You don't see, do you? You haven't given me very much to go on. You just said no marriage. It is all that I can say right now. Don't you trust me enough to tell me why? It has nothing to do with you, darling. It is, it, it is all part of me and who I am and who I was before I ever came to Winter Harbor. Uh, is there a date on your decision? A time limit? I wish I could know. Of course, it is not forever. I mean, I am I am not uh, breaking off just like that. How could I? You seem to be doing it very well. Susan, do not be angry, please. Angry? Out of the blue, you say the wedding's off and, and no date for when it's on? If it's ever on? And you expect me not to be angry? You won't share your problem, whatever it is, with me. I can't. I could not make you understand. So how can I share my feelings with you? Right now, 
This is this is just the worst thing that could ever happen to me. But I can't share it because I don't think I could make you understand either. Are you going to let that foreigner treat Susan this way and do nothing? Matthew, it's between the two of them. Yeah, well, I think he ought to be run out of town. Oh, Matthew, use your head. What good will it do Susan to stir things up? There are plenty of folks around here who never liked him. People who weren't raised here are different from us. They speak different. They are different. Well, of course, you're upset. So am I. I keep telling myself it's a lover's quarrel. They'll make up and everything will be all right. Yeah, well, that's not what Susan says. It's off, over, finished. I asked, did he give any reason? And she just shook her head and went up to her room to cry. Listen, I'm not hanging around this town any longer. Everything about it gives me the creeps. My sister gets kicked in the teeth and my pop says, well, well. Well, I don't see it that way. She can't protect herself. But I am not letting that guy get away with it. I'm coming, I'm coming. What? Harry, what are you doing here at 5.30 in the morning all dolled up and your police chief's outfit? You'd better get yourself dressed, Horace. And hurry. Well, would you mind telling me why? There's been a murder. What? Here? In Winter Harbor? What are you doing, Dad? Standing in the open door this time of the morning? Oh, hello, Chief Tanner. Uh, Harry's just been telling me... Do you mind if I come in... Uh, Horace, I'd rather you didn't discuss what I just mentioned. Oh, all right. I only came down to see what all the noise was about. See you at breakfast, then. You could have talked about the murder in front of Susan. She's not squeamish that way. Uh, no, no, not me. I uh, wasn't going to be the one. Uh, Horace, get a move on, will you? I've got the car outside. Uh, what do you mean, you didn't want to be the one? To tell Susan. That's what I meant. Harry, who's been murdered? Uh, the doctor. The man she was going to marry. Eduardo. Hey, this is quite a place he picked out. Imagine wanting to live in an old lighthouse. Wait till you go inside. Susan's made this into a really nice place to live. As I was inside an hour ago when old Harvey first called me. There he is. Oh, back again, Chief Teller. Uh, morning, Mayor Greeny. Yeah, well, you haven't touched anything, have you, Harvey? Oh, no, sir. Mm. I left the body just as you saw it. Good. Well, uh, a few questions before we go inside. First of all, Harvey, what are you doing here? What? I live here. Thought you live with your sister. The doctor hired me to take care of the place. Mm-hmm. When did you last see the doctor alive? Well, I didn't exactly see him, but I heard him. Well, tell me, go on. About uh, 11.15 last night, I heard the doctor call out, so I went down the stairs. You should see those stairs, Mr. Mayor. They wind down and down like a corkscrew. I'm way up top where they used to to burn the light. Mm -hmm. The lantern gallery. Oh, what a view. Well, you came downstairs. 11.15, and I, I knocked on the door, and I said, did you call? And he said, no, I didn't call, and go back up to bed and don't annoy me. Well, I was kind of surprised. He never talked so uh, snappy-like to me before. Well, did you go right up to bed? No, I didn't. I'm not used to living on the top of a lighthouse yet. So I opened the little door, and there's a railing, and I can walk around the light. It was a clear night. You could see for miles. Sure, and then you went to bed. 
after I saw Matthew. Matthew? Yes, Matthew. Maybe about uh, midnight, maybe later. There he comes along the path with a flashlight. Then he turns out the light, and I do not see him anymore. Hmm? Are you sure it was my son? Oh, yeah, I'd know Matthew anywhere. He was just taking a walk, I guess. Uh, and uh, when did you discover the body? About uh, four o'clock, I'd say. Uh, what time did I call you, Chief? Uh, there was very little noise. And I woke up all of a sudden. Mind you, I'm up there at the top of the lighthouse. What's that? Fifty feet up. Seventy-five. And I hear the front door squeak and open. And I'm thinking, what's going on? Maybe it took me five or ten minutes to find my slippers and put my pants on. I come downstairs, and there's a light on in the room where the doctor has his books. So, I knock on the door. I'm thinking he was reading or something and fell asleep. No answer. I open the door, and there he is. Dead. On the sofa. All right. Let's go inside and have a look. We will have order, please. Order. Order, buddy. Coroner's inquest in and for the town of Winter Harbor in Summit County is in session in the matter of the apparent murder of Dr. Eduardo Combo. I am George Payson, the coroner, and witnesses will come forward as they're called. Uh, will Chief Police Harry Tanner step forward to give evidence? Chief Tanner? Uh, yes, sir. In what condition did you find the deceased? The deceased was lying on his back on a sofa, and it was evident he'd been subjected to violence. And while he was fully dressed and had on his slippers, the soles of which were perfectly clean. Uh, uh, Chief, are there any traces of the assailant? The inside of the door in the carpet had traces of dirt and boot marks, presumably made by the murderer, uh, the assailant. From the size of the footprints, I would say it was clearly a man. Evidence of robbery? Oh, no, I would say no. Only one item appears missing, and that's uh, an 8 by 10 photograph which has been removed from a frame on the doctor's desk. Uh, you know who this photograph was of? No, sir. Uh, is there anyone present who knows who the photograph was of? I, I do. Oh, Miss Bailey, if you don't mind, you step forward, please. Harry, let her get closer to the bench. I, I, I know whose picture it was. It was of me. Oh, and it's missing. Uh, thank you, Miss Billy. You may return to your seat. Uh, uh, yes, sir? Uh, may I have a word with you, George? Uh, what is it? Well, my theory is Susan's brother, Matthew, may have a good deal to do with this case, sir. I'll explain later. Uh, where is he? Oh, that's just it, George. He's disappeared. Well, uh, it puts quite a different complexion on this case, don't it? Well, we've got a couple of leads. I think in a day or so, we'll be able to bring him in. Uh, good enough. We'll adjourn then. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this inquest will stand adjourned to further notice. You each be notified when we'll appear. I caution each of you here today not to leave town. Running away has always been considered as an admission of guilt. Yes? going back as far as the days of Adam and Cain. As the good book says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. However, the devotees of mystery theater know better than to accept what seems for what is. We'll be back shortly with the hard evidence of Act Three.
It's a well-known fact that the smaller the town, the quicker the justice. Unlike in a city where the courts are clogged and backlogged for years, the murder trial in Winter Harbor began right away. And although the coroner's verdict was death by person or persons unknown, it was no surprise when Matthew Greeley was found, suspected, accused, and held. It is now the second week of the trial. Horace, I can't tell you how terribly I feel that your boy is charged with this crime. I understand you had to bring him in, Harry. He hasn't given me a satisfactory answer why he left town. He keeps saying he didn't know anything about Eddie being murdered. That there weren't any newspapers up near that cabin. Well, I kind of believe that. I know that boy. He may talk big all over town about what he do for the honor of his sister, but he's, he's gentle. What went badly was him admitting he had gone to see the doctor that night, but then didn't, and decided to leave town. Mm. Who's being put on the witness stand today? Susan. I said to Jack Smite she was on the stand yesterday. Why do you have to call her again today? Ah, she really loved Eddie. This must be traumatic for the poor child. Uh, uh, here we go. The judge is coming through the door. <laughs> Your Honor, I'd like to recall Susan Greeley to the stand. And may I remind the witness that she is still under oath? Mm. Now, Susan, yesterday you told us that your engagement to Dr. Columbus had been broken at the doctor's request. Did he tell you why? Um, I understood there were personal reasons connected with his family. Mm-hmm. And your brother, Matthew, how did he take the news of the broken engagement? Well, not very well, I'm afraid. Do you harbor any ill feelings toward Dr. Columbus? Oh, no. No. He acted in a perfectly honorable manner. Did you ever hear your brother Matthew utter any threats against the doctor? Uh, yes, I'm afraid I did. But he couldn't have killed him. Well, why do you say that, Susan? Because Dr. Eduardo Columbus is not dead. With your honor's permission, I would like to resume questioning Miss Greeley. Now, would you tell the court, Susan, how you know Dr. Columbus is not dead? Because I have received a letter from him since the date of his supposed death. Have you the letter? Yes, yes, I have it with me in my handbag, but I should prefer not to show it. Uh, well, may we see the envelope? Yes. Uh, would you take it out, please, and uh, tell us the postmark? Portland. And the date? June 5th. Please excuse me. I'm not feeling very well. I'm sorry, Miss Greeley. These questions must be painful to you. It's not that. It's just that... Can you tell us what is particularly upsetting? Uh, well, you see, June 5th was the date on which Eduardo and I were going to get married. Susan, are you prepared to swear that this letter is in the actual handwriting of Dr. Eduardo Columbus? Yes, yes, I am. Now, Susan, there will be those who say you have been in possession of this letter during the proceedings at the inquest. And then when your brother was apprehended by the police and at the beginning of this trial. Why did you continue to conceal evidence which might have brought these proceedings to an end? Uh, Dr. Columbus wrote, asking me to keep his secret. Now then, why have you made it public now? To save my brother. 
I ask the indulgence of the court to declare a recess until tomorrow. We shall bring forth witnesses to verify that the letter is indeed in Dr. Columbus's handwriting. However, it does present us with a dilemma. That if the deceased is not Dr. Columbus, then who is he? Your Honor, this morning before the court resumed, with the consent of the prosecution, Miss Susan Greeley has been excused from cross-examination. I now call the next witness, Dr. Eduardo Columbus. Did, uh, did you know about this, Horace? No, I sure didn't. Don't tell me this is a surprise to you, too, Harry. Well, until they brought up that letter, I, I was sure the deceased was the doctor. I wasn't. For one thing, didn't the autopsy show the deceased had a congenital heart defect? Eddie didn't have a bad heart. Well, doesn't look the better for wear today, does he? Uh, I'm looking at Susan. She still loves that man. Will you look at her? He's been sworn in. He's, uh, he's taking a stand. Your full name, sir? Dr. Eduardo Columbus. Do I understand you wish to make a statement regarding the events on the night in question? Yes, I do. You are aware, Doctor, that anything you say in this trial may be used against you. I am aware of that. Proceed, Doctor. Your Honor, a week or so before the night in question, I received a letter sent to me by my brother from Argentina. I have a twin brother whose resemblance to me is so great that when we were together in Spain, people could see no difference between us. Although it is painful for me to say this, from an early age I conceived a, a horror of him. Because of him and his dishonest actions, I was compelled to leave Spain and seek a new life and a new career in America. The letter told me he had discovered my whereabouts and would shortly be here. On the night in question, I was sitting in my study in the lower part of the lighthouse by the window. Your Honor, I saw his face looking in at me through the window. The resemblance between us was still so great that for an instant I thought it was my own reflection in the glass. I, I went to the door and admitted him. My dear, dear Eduardo, you look well. Enzio, Enzio. What has happened to you? For, for heaven's sake, brother, come over here. Sit, sit down. Look at those shoes. Uh, what's left of them, eh? Of course, Eduardo, you... You wouldn't know what it is to travel by foot. Enzio, I cannot believe you came all the way from Argentina looking like that. <laughs> oh, but I did. In these ragged clothes, I blend perfectly with the bales and boxes in the airplane baggage compartment. <laughs> Not the best way to travel, although the cheapest. You said I don't heat the baggage at 25,000 feet. You can freeze. <coughs> but frozen or not, <laughs> I had this urge to visit you. Enzio, why were you in Argentina? When did you leave Spain? Well, the police became impatient. They thought I had broken the law once too often. And besides, there was a little matter of a watchman with a crushed skull in a warehouse. Oh, Enzio, stealing, housebreaking robbery. How did you come to it? <laughs> Very easily. When you have no profession, no ambition. And a watchman's stupid man 
He died. What he deserved trying to resist me. <coughs> so I disappeared. Had to. I went to Argentina and lived like a dog. I... I do not suppose you wish anything to eat. Oh, well, you remember my dear brother. No food, thank you. But the largest bottle of the strongest drink will be appreciated. I think what I can do. I am not really installed yet. <laughs> oh, I'm freezing to death. There's nothing worse than a chill when, when the weather turns warm. Here. Give it to me. Do you want a glass? What for? The neck of the bottle fits into my mouth. Enzo. Enzo, I know you are past reasoning with. You should look at yourself. You're sick. Not only in mind, but in body. You have abused yourself like a, a sick animal. You always had a weak heart. You, you have diseased your liver. You look, your face is swollen. I cannot believe you are my twin brother. I cannot. That's better. Well, thank you for the medical lecture, dear brother. But now, let us be serious. First of all, you can have these rags. I want clothes. Good clothes. Then money. All the money you have here. <coughs> and don't think you shall be rid of me when I leave. Oh, no. I shall return whenever I feel like it, and you shall give me more money. What was it Cain said to the Almighty? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, so you are, Eduardo. <laughs> For as long as I choose, you shall be my keeper. And you, and you sit still. Let me help you. There. Enough. Stop. You see... <laughs> You do have some brotherly affection for Enzo. But believe me, it is quite one-sided, for I despise you, Eduardo. Detest you. Always have. Always will. Saints in heaven, how I hate you. I... I lifted Enzo up from the floor and carried him to the sofa. I felt his pulse, but the hand I held in mine became cold and clammy. His diseased heart had broken down. His own violence had killed him. Your Honor, I am not very proud of my cowardice or my fears. Although Enzo lay dead, it was no longer a threat. I had seen enough of the people here. Hasty judgments, unkindness, prejudice. Now, suddenly, I had the chance to make a clean break with the past. I... I dressed Enzo in my clothes, and I put on his. I would be discovered dead, and that would be the end of it. And so, to cut all ties with this town, you left that night. No one saw me. I did not think about tomorrow, what would become of me, the career I was throwing away. All I wanted was to leave a dead brother and a dead town behind me. Where did you go? I, I'm sure I could find the places on the map. I, I did odd jobs. People were friendly, but I thought, ah, once they get to know you, they are not so friendly. I, I traveled light. All I carried was a photograph of the woman I loved. And you wrote to her? To Susan Greeley? Oh, yes, almost right away. 
I told her not to grieve that the body in the lighthouse was not mine. I... I told her to forget me, that I could never return to Winter Harbor. It never occurred to me that someone might be accused of killing me. I got as far as the border of Canada when I... I happened to see the story in a newspaper. And so you returned to Winter Harbor of your own free will, Doctor? Uh, how free one's will is, who can say? No. No, not free will. But what alternative did I have but to come back and explain? Your Honor, the defense rests. <laughs> said at the beginning that Conan Doyle had invented for us a story of prejudice and crime. I'm happy to inform you that shortly after the trial was over and the town returned to normal, Susan Greeley became Mrs. Eduardo Columbus. Did I say the town returned to normal? No, Winter Harbor was never again the same. I shall be back shortly. Sometimes I think it a little presumptuous of me to be trotting out maxims and proverbs by way of warning or encouragement as we ring down the curtain on Mystery Theater. Frankly, I'm really too down to earth to believe people take too much preaching. But sometimes our story reminds me of a truth so clear I just have to pass it along. And this one happens to be, let he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. Our cast included Norman Rose, Betsy Beard, Lloyd Batista, Earl Hammond, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. He was smoking a pipe. A pipe. How is he smoking it? Upside down. That's him. He's, that's what he does. Smokes on the bridge of the ship that way. Well, I thought because it was raining he smoked his pipe upside down. Did you see his face? Yes, he had lots of freckles and a sharp, pointed nose. I, I, I could see by his glances. Give me that chimney chair. It's him. Oh, heaven protect me now. Oh, I can't sit still here like this. I've got to the rat in the cap. What am I going to do? Uncle, you're living in a civilized country. There is a law if people threaten you. Now, let me drive over to the county police station tomorrow morning. No, 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 no it's too late. And I'll see that those sailors are taken care of. No, 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 he's coming. He's cruel. He's... Oh, he'll keep me this time for sure. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.